This one you're going to have to kind of find on your own. It's all the way in the back. It's the last chapter of your Bible. It's Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. When you're there, if you could just say amen, that would be great. In Revelation chapter 22, I'm going to go ahead and I'll start at verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 12, Jesus is speaking here and he's speaking to the Apostle John as John is writing the book of Revelation. And look what Jesus says. It's pretty cool how we're going to start all the way in the end here. He says, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. That's cool that Jesus is coming and he's coming with rewards. It just reminds me of a father who's on a trip. And when they know he's going back home for their kids, he says, I got to make sure I take my children something. And you call them on the phone and says, Daddy's going home. Oh, yay. And Daddy got you something. And the kids are just can't wait. Yes, they miss Daddy. But, man, he also has rewards, which is a plus. And here's Jesus. He's gone. And he says, I'm coming back. And I got a gift for you guys. I got some gifts. Uh, you know why I think Jesus has, I, I know it's not even in my nose, but you know why I think Jesus has some gifts for his people? Because he loves his people. And because there's love in his heart, he doesn't, he desires nothing but to show them his love. And he says, not only am I coming back for you, but I'm going to reward you as well. So watch this. I'm going to give to everyone according to their work. And then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He says, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Look at verse 16. But I, Jesus, here's Jesus speaking again. I have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches, that I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, what does it say? I like the way Amando said it. I really do. Amando, the spirit and the bride says, come. Come. But I love how it's almost like a yearn. It's almost like a yell, if you really define that word, come. It's not like, come home, dad. It's, it's a yearning from the bride. It's a yearning from a spirit within that's saying, come. And let him who hears also say, what does it say? Come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I, I love this passage because it's the Lord ending his book by telling us I'm coming back. And those that are of me have this desire back in their hearts. And the desire in their hearts is crying out, come. Many times we'll talk about end time events. And we'll talk about what's happening in the rapture. And we'll talk about antichrist stuff. And many people say what? Whoa, that scares me. Stop talking about it. If that's you, I'm not condemning you and I'm not saying anything bad about you. But then there's another set of people that when you start talking, they get excited about it. Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a little bit weird. I'm on that side. I, I, I'm just longing. I just want to see the heavens break. I, I, I just want these things to happen already. I want to enter into the presence of God once and for all forever. That, that whole thing where scripture teaches us and tears are no more and pain. So 
So here is the spirit and the bride, the bride that is waiting for the groom to come back. And there is a, there is a cry from this bride, and that is to come. Like a bride that waits for her groom on the aisle on the day of their wedding. And she looks down the aisle, and she looks at her husband, and what does she tell him? Get over here already. Come. Come because you don't understand how bad I want to say these vows to you already. How bad I want this man to officiate this wedding already. And how bad I just want to kiss you already and say, take me home to our house where we can have our feast and we can have a good time. Okay, let's read between the lines there. You, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Come already, Lord. And that's what I want with the Lord. I want him to come because I just want to have a good time already. I, I just want to receive that. And that's why there's a, there's a come. So why did we do this series called The End? As you can see, it's called The End, and, and that's what we call it, because I didn't want to call it End Times, and I'm going to tell you why I didn't want to call it End Times. I didn't want to call it The Signs, and I, I didn't want to call it all these things that we could have called it that would have drawn maybe people and people's interest. But before I tell you why we didn't call that, this is my desire, and this is what I hope happens as we get into this series called The End. My main prayer my desire as we get into the text is this. This is it. That us as his people, not that we just grow in knowledge about rapture stuff and millennial stuff and tribulation stuff, because believe it or not, I'm going to be learning with you guys as I study every week. So it's fresh to you, it's going to be fresh to me, and we're going to just sharpen each other throughout the weeks. Amen? Amen? But what I really pray and hope for for me and for you is this. That we would be a people that would prepare ourselves and await the great coming of our Lord and long for that. This is why. I fear this with all my heart. I fear standing before God one day and God saying, how come you never told my people that I was coming? How come you never told them about these days that are ahead? And that I stand before him and said I was too scared to teach that. And I fear that one day you might stand before God which I think it might be sooner than what you think. And you have to stand before God one day and say, well, the pastor and the church that I went to, they never took time to teach us that you were coming back and that all these evil days were ahead of us. So I pray that when we stand before God, our hands are clean. Say, Lord, I'm here because I'm prepared and I'm ready and I got my wedding garments on. How do I look? And that's what I pray. Amen. And that's... Uh, really what I pray for. And that's why I wanted just to start with this scripture that we just cry out, come, and that we would long for the coming of the Lord. There's so much to talk about. There's so much, and that's why um, I didn't call it all those things. Um, I call it the end uh, because I really just want you just to be hungry for God and, and just to learn um, to just, Lord, I, I want to be thirsty and hungry for you and just await for your coming. Now, why didn't I call it end times or anything like that as we mentioned that phrase, end times? A lot of people say when the end times come. How many of you have heard that? I've heard that many times. Well, the truth is, if you study scripture, I truly believe this. I believe that the end times have been here. I believe we are living in the end times. We've been living in end times. Don't ever confuse the end times with the tribulation. I'm not saying that. But I do believe we're living in the end times. You're going to hear us quote scripture like when Jesus says, no one knows the hour nor the day, but there's something that we know. Anyone know what it is? It's the signs. We know the signs, but we don't know the exact hour, the exact day. Joel, the prophet, prophesied about in those days. That young man dreams and old men visions and my spirit will pour out on all flesh. Something beautiful happened in Acts chapter 2. 
there was 120 people in the upper room and they were praying and seeking the Lord. And the scripture says that the spirit fell upon them and like tongues of fire and they began to speak in tongues. People outside of the upper room began to mock them when we went to Israel. You're going to hear me say when we went to Israel a lot. We got to see more or less where the upper room area was at where that happened. Pretty amazing. And people on the outside were mocking them. Look at them. They're drunk. And Peter stood out of the upper room and says, hey, ladies and gentlemen of Israel, what you're seeing here is people that are not drunk. What you're seeing is what the prophet spoke of. Joe, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. People began to hear Peter's message. And 3,000 got saved that day, baptized that day. And in Jerusalem, Christianity began to blow up and began to spread. It all started right there in Jerusalem from that preaching from Peter on the day of Pentecost. I truly believe that that was the bell that was rang. The day of Pentecost was the bell of the last days. And we've been living those last days since the day of Pentecost. I just, you might look like, oh, no wonder my grandmother's always said Jesus is coming soon. And my grandmother's grandmother always said that. And everyone has always said Jesus is coming soon. He is. But there's a lot of biblical prophecies that needed to be fulfilled. One of the greatest biblical prophecies that were fulfilled was when Israel in the 40s became a nation again. When God said in the Old Testament, with prophet Ezekiel and stuff, he said, I'll bring them from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and I would bring them from all these lands and bring them back to their land. And Israel did not have a land. We're not a nation. did not have a place home. And they came back in the 40s, and they came and they made it their land again, and Israel became a nation. Alarm went off, and here it is. We're in the end times. They won a six-day war. I mean, powerful things that biblical prophecies needed to happen. So I truly believe as we get into this text that we're living in the end times. We've been living in the end times. If you do not put on the TV or you do not have social media, then you might not know what's going on, but you're seeing it today in Jerusalem. Rockets are blasting by the hundreds every single day. There's a group in the Gaza Strip called Hamas, and the Hamas group is shooting bombs, and, Israel, and they're landing all over Israel. And the Israel has a, a dome where it's intercepting some, but many are landing. Israel is doing whatever they can, and, and they're willing to sit down, and they're willing to, to stop it and, and cease fire and, and to build some sort of treaty. Hamas continues to say no and continues to bomb away with their actions or saying no. What you're seeing is development for years past and just becoming stirring more and more. When you start to study some of those bombs and some of those missiles that are hitting, you start to study that they're from Iran. A lot of those missiles are from Russia. A lot of these missiles are from places where they can and it may become a huge war one day. That it's going to make sense for someone to one day to rise up and say, let there be peace. And that man might be the Antichrist. Okay? So we're starting to see a lot of pieces of puzzles be um, put into its place. Now, today's more of an introduction. And, and what I want to do is give you somewhat of a timeline today, and then we'll go throughout the weeks through, the time, through this timeline, as you'll see as we'll do it. But as we go through this timeline um, throughout the weeks, we'll save some time at the end of every class to ask questions, to talk about it. And whenever we ask questions, I'm going to ask you to please stay within the content that is being spoken about that day. For example, if we're talking about uh, the Antichrist, don't talk to me about the eternal kingdom. If we're not, they're like, whoa, how did that come? You know, try to stick within the content. So today we're not really going to have time to really uh, ask questions because it's more of an introduction and starting next week we'll, we'll save some time for questions. So here's the timeline because if not, we're never going to start. And, and I was blessed to get this little pen right here to use it. So pretty cool. All right, watch this. We're going to put the timeline up now. 
as we put this timeline, you're not going to understand anything, but I'm going to walk you through it. Because you didn't make the timeline, so it's hard uh, to understand it in its, in its sense. But pretty much what, what this timeline is, it's, it's a timeline of what we're going to be going through. We're going to talk somewhat about the rapture. Most likely we're not going to get into it today because we, it's so much scripture. We're not going to really have all the time for that. But we're going to talk about the rapture. We're going to talk about a great tribulation in scripture that talks about there's this judgment. There's two judgments from Christ um, that God gives us. I, I wish that I wasn't up there yet, but I would ask you what are the two judgments. I wonder how many of you guys knew that off the top of your head already. Okay? You have number one, you have the judgment seat of Christ, that he's going to judge some people, but then you have that big one, the massive one, the one that everyone really talks about, and that is the what? The great white throne. We're going to discuss these two things a little bit. So you have the great tribulation. After the great tribulation, we believe in a millennial reign. There's going to be a thousand years. We're going to get into that. Don't worry about it. A millennial reign, a thousand years, and we'll talk about that. Um, right before the millennial, a thousand, uh, millennial, thousand years, which is a millennial reign, What's going to spark that is this amazing battle right in the middle between the tribulation and the millennial reign, and that is called Armageddon. I would drive Lewis crazy right now if I do this to him, but I don't know, maybe he's able to do this, but we took a picture of Armageddon. It's somewhere up there on the internet, he might in a second just surprise us and put it up, but there's a plane that we stood on, and I said, and I told the church, I said, right here one day is where the battle of Armageddon is going to be, and all the armies are going to rush to. The Lord's going to land right here and destroy all these armies. So we're going to go to that scripture. And that happens right here, the battle of Armageddon. That's going to ring forth and, and bring us into this millennial reign, which we'll read, we'll read some scripture together. And as we look into the millennial reign, after that 1,000 years, um, there's going to be another battle that's going to be fought. And it's called Gog and Magog, where Satan is defeated and um, is thrown into the lake of fire once and for all. And then what we have is the eternal kingdom. But right before we enter into the eternal kingdom, there's a great white throne. Yeah, this thing's not going to work. I think it's Diana Alvarez. See the great white throne up there? The great white throne is going to be an amazing judgment where everyone who is wicked, look to the right, will be thrown into the lake of fire. Guess who's already going to be there waiting for them? Satan is going to be there. The Antichrist, the beast, is going to be there with the false prophet. They're going to be there in the lake of fire waiting for everyone to be thrown into. Scary place. It's a place where the fire never ends. Skin constantly melts off your face. Worms are coming in and out of your body. This is not hell today. Hell today is like a horrible, horrific waiting place for something even worse called the lake of fire. Hey, how can I get an amen that we're not going to be there? Okay. Hey, told you who's going to surprise you. This is us right here sharing, and behind me is Armageddon. We're standing right there, and I'm pointing, and oh, that's Lou. Lou's pointing at the battlefield. And just imagine this one day with troops from many nations, planes flying through the air. God standing on one of these mountains, opening his mouth and destroying all these nations that are coming against Israel. We got to see an amazing field that we're going to talk about in Scripture. That was a pretty cool time of the trip. All right? So, so you have the great white throne going to the right. They get thrown into the lake of fire. Then look to the left, all those who are righteous. And they're in this time. They get thrown into what is called the eternal kingdom. And there's already some other saints there that will be waiting for them. And the eternal kingdom would be the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem that we are all longing for and waiting for to live in for the rest of our lives. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this uh, for, for a second here. Let's, let's kind of jump into this. He's going to put some verses up. As you remember this right here, and, and what he'll do is he'll put a verse and he'll go back. Uh, we're going to go ahead and I think the first verse I gave you, right, Lou, was 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you're taking notes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 
through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. We're going to go through this timeline as an introduction and then jump, start really jumping into rapture stuff next week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. I'll just read it from there because it will be faster. <laughs> I like the fire in the background. <laughs> Paul's writing to the church of Thessalonica. Watch what Paul tells the church. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Keep going. For if we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. Keep going. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. Like, just think about that. And with the, trumpets of, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Amen? Powerful scripture. What you're seeing is, and what we're going to go over throughout the weeks is the word rapture. One of the things that I want to make sure you understand about the word rapture is this. How many times, if anyone knows it, just yell it out. How many times is the word rapture mentioned in the New Testament, in the Bible? Zero times. So you'll never see the word rapture, which gives a lot of people who want to contest the Bible, like the word rapture is never in there. That's why your belief is false. Well, there's a word that is in there, and it's a phrase. And does anyone know what that phrase is? Two words. It's the word caught up, and we will be caught up with him. Now, that's a very important phrase because in the weeks to come, we're going to look into that phrase and what that word caught up means as we're going to be delivered right back up to him and meet with him in the heavens. A lot of churches have different views of the rapture. I want to make sure I'm clear on this. You have pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. I don't want to take so much time to really study all the different views. I just want to study the events that are going to take place. People always argue about, well, I believe that the rapture is going to happen first, and then the tribulation is going to come. And I'm thinking almost everyone here is hoping and praying for that like I am. I'm hoping that the rapture comes first, and that's what I believe because I'm hoping for it. And then the tribulation comes, and I'm free from that. And I'm going to tell you why later on. I believe in that. But I want to stay away from really what I believe and more read text. The second one is the mid-trib, where a lot of people believe that the Lord comes back for his people in the middle the after the first three and a half years and take them up. And there is some sort of rapture there, but I'll tell you later on when we get there what that rapture is. And then there is a post-trib, which a lot of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends stand on this, and I love them, and this is not something that divides us. This is something that just brings us closer together, which is they believe that the whole tribulation is going to happen, and on that seventh year is where the rapture happens, so that means that the bride of Christ goes through these hardships. I told my, my, my good friends that always believes, and I was like, I hope that's not true, because I'd rather be taken up early. But we do know that there is a catching up, whether it's pre, mid, or post. We know that it's happening because the Bible is clear on it. The Bible is clear. So you know what I tell people all the time? Whatever you believe in, whether it's pre, mid, or post, just be ready. That's it. Just be ready. That's it. We have signs today that are showing us that these days are coming. A lot of people say, well, will we see the Antichrist? Probably. Probably not. Some things that Scripture is not 100% clear on. But we might see the Antichrist rise up right before the rapture. We might see him come into some 
form of government. We might see him come out in the news. We might have been seeing him already. Who knows? He's going he's gonna to start talking about peace. He's going to start bringing forth this peace because wars and, and, and rumors of wars are, are really going to start attacking Israel as you could start seeing these things unfold. So I'm not sure really if the Antichrist will rise up and then the rapture will happen or the rapture will happen and then the Antichrist will rise up. But I do believe as a, as a rapture will happen before the tribulation that if he's going to take his bride away from harm, it's because some very man, harsh and tough days are ahead. So right after the rapture, some serious stuff must be ready to go on. You guys get what I'm saying? So whether the Antichrist comes before um, or right after, I'm not sure. Um, since I know I'll be raptured up before, I'm hoping that, hey, I want to see who he is. Why not? Get a kick out of it. So maybe it'll be before. But back to the, the timeline, and then we'll read some more verses. As you see the timeline with the rapture. Now, there's so much to talk about all over here that I haven't mentioned. And that's a whole bunch of prophecies that have been fulfilled. Many of them that have been fulfilled by, anyone want to take a guess? By Jesus Christ himself. So if I were to sit here, I'll go months and months teaching you over a hundred biblical prophecies that Jesus prophesizes all through here that were prophecies of the Old Testament over here. So I can't do that. I don't have enough time to do that. So if you want to see a lot of these prophecies, read the Gospels. And Jesus was prophesying, um, prophetically fulfilling the Messiah's role, who was all this area right over here. So now we find ourselves in the rapture. This is what we're going to review here. So what is this rapture? So here we read that Christ is going to come in the clouds. He's going to catch up with people. And we're going to be snatched up. And we're going to be taken up with Christ. Okay? I'm going to play the, put the next verse up for you guys now. And then we'll come back to this. Let it dramatically come. Here it is. In Matthew chapter 24, let's read this passage. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds. I love this right here. Where is it? And they will gather, gather together. From the four winds, that means east, west, north, south. From one end of heaven to the other. There. All right, so that's the next passage. All right, so as you guys look at this, at this great tribulation right now. And we read that verse as well. So we've read 1 Thessalonians, um, and now we've read the next one. The rapture's taken up here, and we're going to go into this next week in detail. What is the rapture like? What will happen in the rapture? And we're going to go through a lot of verses. And now we have this great tribulation. Okay? And in this tribulation, it's marked in three and a half years. You guys see this little dotted line right here? This marks three and a half years. And the verse that we just read, and then I'm going to read you another verse, which is going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ, is I believe as the rapture comes, and you're going to see this in a lot of passages as we read, that a lot of people believe that as long as you are a believer in Christ, you're going to be taken up to be with Jesus. Well, we know as we study the word of God that that's not true. Because there's going to be a lot of people that get left behind in this great tribulation. And in that great tribulation, they have 
a responsibility, and it's two things. One of them is they could either take the mark of, we probably know this one, of the beast, or number two, they're going to die for their, for their belief and for their Christ, for their faith. Now, within the seven years, you're going to see a period of three and a half years to the left of that dotted line, and another three and a half years to the other side of that dotted line, together making seven years. The Antichrist will be, as we jump into the tribulation in weeks to come, what the Antichrist will be doing, he will be roaring through those years, devouring through those years, doing signs and wonders through those years. And in those years, he would, at one point, attack the Christians that get left behind, that have faith in Jesus, and attack them, murder them, and kill them. And we're going to read some scripture. And then on the other side of the dotted line, he's going to turn a lot of his wrath on this section, towards Israel and towards the Jews. Okay, and he's going to attack the Jewish people. So over here you see the church getting heavily persecuted. Not the bride, but parts of the church that got left behind. Remember, the church doesn't get raptured, the what? The bride gets raptured. Jesus is coming for a bride. Okay, a bride. I don't know if everyone within the church is part of the bride. But I know he's coming for a bride. That's what scripture is clear on, for his bride. So when he comes for his bride on this, on this part, and, and, and then here's the church, and during this time, there's going to be a coming up here, which we read a scripture that the Lord will catch all these. That, and we're going to read a passage in Revelation later, how it talks about those who were beheaded for the work of the Lord. So you, we're going to read that, and you're like, why were they beheaded? Because these were the martyred, martyred saints. They got martyred during a great tribulation. As the Antichrist rages against the Jewish people, you're going to start seeing how, as we get into this section of, of, of Scripture, when we get there, we're going to talk a lot about, well, not really a lot, but we're going to mention 144,000 Jews. There is a religion today that they believe that they're a special 144,000. I come against them and I say, I don't believe they're the famous 144,000 that Revelation is talking about. I believe that the 144,000 is what Revelation caused. It is a certain number from every single one of the 12 tribes that make 144,000 that will bring the word back to Israel. Does anyone know they're going to have another two helpers? They're going to be mighty in bringing back the gospel to Israel. Does anyone know who those two helpers are going to be? They're going to come back and speak to all of Jews. People don't, no one knows. So if you knew, I was amazed. All we know was they were called the two witnesses is what Revelation teaches us they're called. The two witnesses. Many people believe it's Elijah and Enoch, because Elijah and Enoch were the two that never died in the Bible. And the Bible says that every man must die once. It's appointed for every man to die once and then come the judgment. So because those two amazing prophets never died, most likely the two prophets are Elijah and Enoch. Some say, well, maybe it's not Enoch, maybe it's Moses. You know, we never found his bones and all these things. Whatever. We know that there's going to be two prophets that are going to come back. Can you imagine seeing Elijah back calling out fire? calling out drought, calling, I mean, that's going to be amazing, okay? Let, let's go to the next passage real quick before I get carried away with Elijah and the 144,000. This is more of an introduction. 2 Corinthians 5.9. Look what Paul is telling uh, the church of Corinth real quick. And this is important even for us, guys. Look at what Paul is telling the, the church. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 9. Right? He says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. He's talking about Jesus here. 
For we must all appear before the... Now, I want all of you to say that with me. Where must we all appear to? The judgment seat of Christ. Notice what he says. He does not mention the what? The great white throne. He's mentioning another kind of judgment, and it's called the, the judgment seat of Christ. Totally different than the great white throne. So watch what he says. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are, no, we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. So what is he telling the church? He's telling the church this. Because you are the church that makes you a believer, and because you're a believer, it should make you a saint. And you are a saint, you should be the bride of Christ. And if you are these people that are waiting for Christ, what are you waiting for? Your aim, okay, whether you're here or not here during that time, is that we will all appear before what? He says it in verse 10. Before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice who he's speaking to here. He's speaking to a church people. I'm hoping, is what he's saying, I'm praying that your aim is to one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that you would understand that you will receive right then and there what you have done with your life here on earth according to what you've done, good or bad. Knowing, therefore, that the Lord has terror. There's a terror behind the Lord. So what do we do now? Because we're believers, we're Christians, and we know that there's a terror behind the Lord. So what do we got to do? We persuade men. I love that. What are we doing to other people? We're sharing them the gospel. We're, we're not giving up. We're persistent with the life of Christ coming out of us. We're, we're constantly declaring to them, Christ is coming. Prepare yourself. It's going to happen soon. Paul is telling the Christians what? Because you are a believer, because your aim is to stand before God, right? Because everyone here, we're going to be in terror and a fear because we have the fear of God in us. But none of us here are scared to stand before God. We have the fear of God because all of you know who already who you are in Christ. So many of you, I pray, are what? Longing to stand before God. It's going to be an amazing day. So here's Paul, and that should be the church's aim. And because that's the church's aim, what is he telling them in Corinth? Now you persuade men. Tell others that don't know or that think that this is some sort of, 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 of magical story. Tell them that this is real. I love the word that he uses. Persuade them. You know what that deals with? Have arguments, biblical arguments. Doesn't mean scream. Sit down. Have dialogue. Open up the word and show them that what they're at is wrong and what you believe in is true. Have Biblical arguments with people. Have conversations. Watch this. Persuade people from thinking one way to start thinking another way. The question is why? Why, Paul? Because God, the Lord Jesus, is coming back and we will stand before him. That's what he's telling the church. That's what he's telling the church. And he's mentioning this judgment seat. He's talking about a judgment seat. And then he says this. We are all well known to God. And I trust, I also trust, are all well known in your conscience. I, I hope he's in your mind. I hope it's constantly there. I hope I'm talking to a church people is what Paul's heart is saying. I hope you're ready to stand. So there's this judgment seat. 
Now, what's different between the judgment seat? What is different between the judgment seat? Sorry. We'll get there. Oh, the, the timeline. The difference between the judgment seat and the great white throne is that this is where we're going to look at scripture that martyrs that die with the great tribulation and the believers that get raptured up, they will enter into what's called the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat of Christ is a totally different judgment than the great white throne. I want you to notice where that judgment seat goes. It only goes one way. Where? It's a specific judgment for God's people, the judgment seat of Christ. He's still going to judge you for every bad or good because there's no one in here that doesn't have a bad to judge. So he's still going to judge us off our bad or good. But just because he's going to judge you off your bad or good does not mean that you're automatically because you have bad, he's going to send you to hell. But those that get judged here for all their bad and their good that they've done before the Lord, from there they will receive, they're about to receive this eternal kingdom. Totally different than the great white throne. The great white throne is a different kind of judgment. That's why it's called great white throne. It's great. It's white because I could just think about his glory. Can't explain it. It's just white. It's just brilliant. And that one leads two places. To the eternal kingdom and to the lake of fire. And this is many people. Many people that we know will stand not in the judgment seat of Christ. But listen to me. Many people that we know will one day stand on the great white throne. You know who else? Even people that have died. We're going to read a scripture in weeks to come. That scripture says, and all of hell will be spit out and stand before a great white throne. And everyone's name who is written in it will be sent to the new Jerusalem. And everyone's name who is not will be thrown into the lake of fire. So that means people who are dying today, people that have died years past, and that people will die in the future that do not know Jesus Christ, they're going to miss this judgment. Because they're not the bride, they're not the martyrs. But they're going to all enter a great white throne with everyone else that's living during that day. And they're either going to go to two places, the lake of fire or the eternal kingdom. After knowing this timeline, how can we not persuade men of the days that are to come? You, you guys see that? It's happening. I don't know what could happen tonight. I don't know what could happen tomorrow. It could happen, the Bible says, and we're going to get into this. I'm sorry. It's just introducing. I'm going to keep saying that. The scripture calls it as a twinkling of an eye. That quick. Think about it. Since you've been sitting here and you've heard, you've heard me lecturing, how many blinks have you had? No one has been able to count their blinks because it happens so rapidly. You subconsciously don't even think about it. That's how the rapture is going to be. The scripture calls it as a thief that comes in in the night. You don't even notice he's there. He comes and he goes. That's what the rapture is going to be like. When that happens, when that happens and you are the bride, can I be very honest with you? How about those beautiful children, the beautiful family, your beautiful aunts and your uncles, your beautiful cousins, your beautiful friends, the co-workers? You're willing to let them live every day in the great tribulation? Seriously? Like seriously, right now, you're willing to risk it all, not persuade men, and you go ahead and you get raptured up and live your happily ever after life and go over here to the new eternal kingdom. This is not even my notes. This is just the Lord. It's like preaching time almost now. And then we're going to allow all these people that we love and that we do life with every day to enter into the great tribulation or stand on this great white throne. 
and maybe even enter to a lake of fire? So with that, all I could say is what? Persuade men. Persuade them. Because this day is coming. And these days will follow. And this is the end for every person that lives on earth. Lake of fire or eternal kingdom. Amen? Let's go to the next passage. I'm just going with the flow of you guys. Okay. In one second. Let me turn there. I like this passage. That's why I'm going to turn there. So the rapture happens. As the rapture happens, there's going to be a tribulation of seven years. Get ready for the weeks to come. We're going to read a scripture that says, and I'm going to paraphrase it into Regal's language. Ready? God says this, I feel so sorry for the mother who is in labor during those days. That's what God says in Revelation. He says, I feel so sorry for those who are in the great tribulation and who are with child. You know why I think he's saying that? Because they're going to be starving. Some of them are going to see their kids die before them. There's going to be famines and sicknesses. Some of them are going to see their kids get sick right before them. Mothers with this baby, and they can't give birth in a hospital because they can't take the mark of the beast. I mean, Scripture is so clear about the seven, um, years, seven years of tribulation, of how horrible, how horrific, and it's going to be, watch this, the worst days that this earth has ever experienced will be the seven-year tribulation, the worst days ever. If you thought Hitler... And what Hitler did in the 40s were the worst days that this earth will ever experience. I'm going to tell you right now, that won't even touch, won't even scratch the surface of what the Antichrist and Satan will do in the seven-year tribulation. Okay? If you think of any, of any conqueror, dictator, whoever, it won't touch the surface. So we need to understand, here's the rapture, here's seven years tribulation. The first three and a half years, these people are going to have a decision, do I... I can't take it with this sickness. I need to go to a hospital. I need to go to Walgreens and get my medicine already. My son, my child, my daughter is dying. My wife is sick. I can't buy anything. Do I let them die? Or the only way to get anyone help is if I take some sort of mark. And if I take this mark, that's the only way I'm going to get help. And many Christians that get left behind are going to have to make this decision. Do I let my family survive by taking the mark? Or do I let them all know, hey, let's stick this together. We got to die for Jesus. Many of them will be beheaded. Okay, I want to get into so much right now, but many of them will be getting beheaded. And we know that because Scripture says, and those who were beheaded were there standing before God. Because they did, denied the Antichrist and his power, and they continued to profess Jesus, even in the seven-year tribulation. Believe me so when I say this, that many Christians that get left behind will take the mark of the beast because they won't be able to stand the days, the days that are before them. We're going to read a scripture later on that says that the spirit will be taken away from those days. Look how bad earth is today. And the Holy Spirit is here. Imagine days when the presence of God is released and taken away, sorry, from the earth. The horrific days. Satan and his demons, his fallen angels, will be just causing all hell on earth. And there will be one world leader who he will be leading and he will be guiding to this destruction. Think about this, how serious the seven-year tribulation is. So they're going to have these years to really think about them dying or them receiving the mark. When that ends, the Antichrist is going to come in. We're going to get to that verse, not today. And it's called the 
abomination of desolation. Anyone ever heard of that? Okay, I'm going to explain to you just real quick. I'm not going to get into the scripture right now because we're going to get into it in the weeks to come. The abomination of desolation is this. The temple is going to be built. You want to know how the peace, you know, well, if there's a war, how is there going to be peace? And what kind of war is going to be? You want to know what kind of war it's going to be? Can I tell you guys? It's going to be a war in Israel. And that's clear. There's going to be a war, a mighty war in Israel. And it's going to be Israel with their enemies, okay, with the Muslims and with the Palestinians. And they're going to war and they're going to continue to war for their land like they're doing today. And one day there's going to be this huge massive war and all this affliction and all these different seals that are going to be broken that we will go over during the tribulation. And when all these things are happening, within three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to build this temple for the Jews. And finally, that's how the peace treaty is going to happen. He's going to say, there's peace here. Muslims, listen. You have your mosque. You have your stuff. Jews, now we have your stuff. There's a peace treaty. You can't attack them. You can't attack them. Go worship in your mountain. You go worship in your mountain. And they're going to be like, good. They're going to shake a deal. And that's going to be the, watch this, the first time that any world leader ever has ever made peace between Israel and their enemies. Everyone has tried. Every pope has tried. Every president has tried. Every prime minister has tried. And all have fallen short to bring peace. But there's going to be one man charismatic as I believe it. And he's going to have a religious um, um, backing behind him. And he's going to stand up with religious, um, or you want to call it religious slash, which you know it's not true, spiritual authority and political authority. And he's going to bring two sides to shake hands. They're going to build the temple. Well, look at the days we live on. I just found out today that, um, uh, man, who was it that just got signed or is about to get signed? Someone from the NBA. Stevenson got signed. And without them vocalizing it, I got an alert on my phone, and I already found out that Steven left, Stevenson left to the Hornets. I want you to understand how fast technology shows us things. You know what's going to happen within three and a half years of the tribulation? The temple's going to be built, and the Antichrist will be there as they get ready to cut the ribbon and to uh, dedicate the temple to the Jews. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. And on that day, CNN, Fox News, BBC, and every single person of every single media type will be there because this is going to be the greatest thing that planet Earth has ever experienced. Israel is getting their temple again. Do you know how big that is? They're going to get their temple again. And the Antichrist is going to do it. God's going to do it through them. And, and on that day, in front of all the media, the Antichrist is going to sit. And he's going to sit on a throne made for him. And right then and there, he's going to say something like this. You see what I just did? Worship me, pretty much. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah that you guys are waiting for. And the people will roar and cry him Messiah, cry him all these amazing phrases. And right then and there, that is called the abomination of desolation where the, where the Antichrist calls himself the Christ. And he stands in the temple and he commits the greatest abomination to the Lord is declaring that he is Jesus Christ in the house of God. The abomination of desolation. Ching, the bell rings. It's the next three and a half years. And the Antichrist now, he will get shot, he will get killed, and he will resurrect, and people will be like, he is the Messiah. They tried to kill him, and they can't kill him. And, the, and Satan will rise him up again, and guess what? He rages against Israel. Watch this verse real quick. As he's raging against Israel, we're going to read Revelation we're going to start in chapter 11, look at verse 1, and look what happens um, during these days. It says, then I was given a red, uh, and we'll go over all this stuff. I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, and he says, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. So the, the temple's built. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has, be, it has given to the Gentiles. 
And they will tread on the holy city underfoot for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses. Watch this. And they will prophesy 1,262 days. If I could do the math, that might be uh, three and a half years. Okay? And they will be clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, and these are the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, watch this, fire proceeds from their mouth. We're talking about Elijah and Enoch here. Probably, maybe those two, but two of the old pro prophets from the Old Testament are coming back. From their mouth will devour their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he says, he must be killed in this manner. Look at verse 6. These have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have the power over waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with all of their plagues as often as they desire. Can you imagine these days? Elijah coming back, I don't know how he's going to look, he's going to dress normal clothes and a robe with a beard, but, but he's going to bring down judgment, he's going to spit out fire, he's going to bring down rain, he's going to close up the heavens. I mean, it's going to be just like he did in the Old Testament. Do amazing things. You want to know what's happening with a lot of Israel during this time? They're being persecuted by the Antichrist. You want to know what's going to be happening as these two witnesses are doing all these signs and wonders? A lot of Israel is going to be what? Brought back and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord. They're going to come. If you go to Israel, you'll recognize how blind they are to Jesus. They have, it's, so, it's, so, it's so sad. And I told our group, I said, if our tour guide is alive during those days, I said, she's going to know Jesus as her Messiah because it's a promise in Revelation. Israel's scales from their eyes will be released. The 144,000 that we will talk about and the two witnesses will help them do that. Now watch what happens with these two witnesses. Ready? It says, now after the three and a half after the three and a half days, the breath of life from, oh, sorry, verse 7. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them. So who's the beast? Anyone know who the beast is? We haven't gotten into scripture yet, but we will. The beast is the Antichrist. Okay? It says the beast, the Antichrist, will make war against them, overcome them, and he will kill the two witnesses, the two prophets. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt where also our Lord was crucified, and then those from the people's tribes, tongues, nations, will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the grave. So it's going to be a mocking sight. Ah, look at the prophets of God defeated. The beast beat them. The Antichrist, whoever it is. They're not going to call them Antichrist. They're not going to call them beast. They're going to call them president so-and-so. They're going to call them prime minister so-and-so, and I'll just stay quiet not to cause any kind of stuff, but whoever it is, they're going to call world leader so-and-so. And watch what happens here. Verse 10, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them because they're dead and they're in Jerusalem, in the streets of Jerusalem, just like we were in the streets of Jerusalem. People will be dancing and music and laughing as their dead bodies are decaying on the floor and the sun is scorching on them and everyone's mocking the two prophets of God ah, and singing song and worshiping their antichrist. Watch what happens here. They will make merry and they will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwelled on the earth. Look at verse 11. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them. And they stand on their feet. Well, I'm reading it as, and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake. Whatever, we'll keep going and keep going. Did you guys see what just happened there? 
So after this, we're going to go back to, the, back to the timeline. So now that we saw here the rapture took place, the tribulation, the worst days ever, which we will go over, martyred saints with the raptured bride will be judged in the judgment seat. The Antichrist will now cause, right here in this dotted line, the abomination of desolation. He will turn his power all in this section to Israel. He will save 144,000. He will also use the two witnesses. And after this, they will mock them after they die, but Christ will resurrect them, and they will see their bodies glorified going back up to the heavens, and everyone's like, oh, no, what did we just do? Just like the Roman guard said when they killed Jesus, we surely killed the Son of God. They're probably going to say these surely were the prophets of God. Another bell's going to ring, not, not um, audibly, but boom, it's going to happen. And now is something amazing. Antichrist and all his forces and everyone that's there is going to be so mad and so ticked off. Once and for all, we're going to wipe Israel off the map. How many of you have heard world leaders already say, we won't stop until we wipe Israel off the map? I've heard many. The ex-president of Iran has said it. So don't think that's a shock. When people are already using that and flirting with that phrase, it just means we're closer to those days. And when he goes to wipe Israel off the map, we're going to see the great battle of Armageddon that we stood on. Do we have that scripture? Armageddon, and it's in Revelation. I don't know if I give you the 19 one or the 20. And we'll read it quick because I'm going to jump into the millennial. Watch this. Let's read it. His eyes were like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had written on them. No one knew but himself. Keep going. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. You guys getting excited? And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen. Who is the armies in heaven? It's going to be the bride. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Followed him on what? My wife gets all excited on this part. She loves horses. Yeah. Okay. So what white horses... Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that, was, that with it he should strike the nations. So nations are going to come against Israel during this time. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads, by the way, if you haven't caught who he is, is Jesus. Treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath. So there's going to be wrath of the almighty God. anymore. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name that is written. Now it's showing us. It's Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God. What supper? I stood in that field. I, saw, I stood over it, and I saw it. What does he mean by that? What does the angel mean? There's a supper. He's calling all the birds to eat. There's a mighty supper. God is serving the, all the birds of the earth. Come to Armageddon on that day. And eat. There's going to be carcasses all over the ground dead because Jesus opened his mouth. Fire came out and destroyed all the nations. Blood that runs for miles will drip all the way through the valley of Armageddon. And all the birds will flap their wings and we will be on our white horses looking at all this. And as we see all the birds from a distance coming, they will start eating the carcass on the land. The great supper of God. Persuade, persuade, persuade men. Let's keep going. 
that you may eat. So what's my great supper? Have you ever eaten a king before? That you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and all those who sit on them, and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, both small and great. It's going to be awesome. Are we done? And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together. So he saw who? Who's that? They saw the Antichrist, the kings of all the nations, and their armies. They gathered to make, together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Wait a minute. I thought they were going against Israel. They were. Let me tell you what happened. As they were going towards Israel to attack Israel, guess what happened? Jesus breaks through the sky with all his saints, and all their weaponry and all their planes begin to what? Fly towards the mountain where Jesus is at, and everyone now goes to attack Jesus and his bride. So the command changes. The Antichrist and all the kings and all the captains say, attack him. Attack him and them. And watch what happens. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Anything else? And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of Jesus who sat on the horse and all the birds were what? That was good. They were filled. They ate all the bodies. Amazing. Amazing. Do I have any other scripture? So, Satan gets thrown. The Antichrist gets thrown. And we're going to wrap it up. So as the Antichrist and his false prophet get thrown into the lake of fire, Satan gets thrown, which we're going to study one day, the bottomless pit. In that bottomless pit, he's in jail for a thousand years with all his fallen angels. And there's a thousand years of peace. And I think earth deserved that after seven years of hell. And God says, for your seven years of hell, I'm going to give you a thousand years of peace. Like scripture says, where the lion will lay with the lamb again. There will not be no prey, no predator. Everyone's at peace and everything's at peace. For a thousand, can you imagine that? In Israel, the temple that was built will be the headquarters of worship and all the nations will come and worship in Israel once a year. And guess who will be sitting on his throne here on planet earth? Jesus Christ will actually reign for a thousand years on earth. And guess who else will reign with him? All the saints. And they will be judging people during those times. All the bride. And it's going to be a thousand years that me and you have never seen and can't explain. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden even better for a thousand years. But after that thousand years, a lock is released. And Satan and his fallen angels are released again, and they devour the nations that have now built up again throughout the years. And he tries to attack Israel. You think he would learn his lesson, right? doesn't. To attack Israel one last time. And let's go to that verse real quick. So that's called the millennial reign, a thousand years, which, like I said, we're just in the introduction. Then I saw an angel coming down from the heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. That's where Satan's at. And a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and he bound him for what? The millennial reign. The next bells rang. Bing, the millennial reign. 
And he cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Keep going. And they saw thrones, and they sat on them. Judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been... I wasn't lying to you. I wasn't lying to you. I could talk to you right now about the Muslim religion. One of the greatest ways of death right now is beheading. Do you guys know that? They behead people. I believe that the Antichrist will be backed up by the Muslim religion. I really do. Because the martyrs get beheaded. If you know anything about any kind of religion, the Muslim religion is the number one growing religion as we speak. All of Europe is Muslim as we speak. It's crazy. Europe is packed with Muslims. I'm not saying Muslims are bad people. Muslims are amazing people. I fell in love with the Muslims. They're actually good people. We're just praying for their salvation, just like we're praying for the Jews who do not know Jesus yet. They're both at fault for not knowing Jesus. Amen? Amen. We, because of the media, grab the Muslims and say, enemy, kill them. Let a bomb attack them all. That's a wrong attitude to have. Because you know what? God loves the Jews, but God loves the Muslims too. Back. I'm going to... And the word of God, okay, so they were beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, told you, who had not worshipped the beast and his image and had not received his mark of their foreheads. That's why it's hard for me to believe in a mid-trib or a post-trib because it talks about beheading of a certain group. On their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So they were there on earth reigning for a thousand years. Now we'll go to the next one. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And will go to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, we don't have time to go over that, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. A big battle. And they, and they went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Anyone know what this beloved city is? It's the city that we just went to go visit a couple weeks ago. Jerusalem. The beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and they devoured them. God was like, I'm done with this. Woof. And destroys everyone. Watch this. The devil who deceived them was cast now. Cast now once and for all. Remember, he wasn't in the lake of fire yet. Who's in the lake of fire waiting from? The Antichrist, the false prophet. We'll talk about them. They're over there. Satan is in the bottom of his pit. Gets released, causes all hell again. And God says, enough is enough. And he sends him to the lake of fire and brimstone. Now watch this. Where the beast and the false prophet are waiting for him. Hey, dad. Not a good, nah, it's not going to be anything like that. Hey, Dad. And they will be tormented day and night forever and what? Yeah. Guys, persuade men. Persuade them. Can we keep going? Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. What does that mean? What is he describing? God's face is so glorious that all man has to what? <laughs> Take off. Don't mess with God, right? Keep going. And I saw the dead, small, great, standing before God. Great, small. Who is that? Kings. Your normal people, your presidents, governors. I mean, everyone and, and nobody. Okay, all standing before God. And books were opened. Then another book was opened. And that book was called the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book. Guys, stop for a second. What are, what are we talking about here? Judged now? Where are we? It's not the judgment seat of Christ anymore. Guys, the judgment seat of Christ is over. Guess where we are at? We're done with the millennial reign. We're done with the rapture. We're about to enter the eternal kingdom once and for all, baby. 
Let's keep going. The sea gave up their dead who were in it. I told you guys. And death and Hades, which is hell, delivered up their dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to their work. Stop. They were what? Not forgiven. They were what? What does that mean? Judgment day is not a day of what? Of forgiveness. When is the day of forgiveness? Thank you. So they're not like, oh, God, you're really real. And he's like, okay, I'll give you a chance. And I know that. Great white throne. It's like, you're done. There's no turn. You can't, can't get saved. You can't save anyone. Ready? And they were judged, each one according to their works. Next slide. The death in Hades were, I love this, all of hell that we know today, wherever hell is at, I don't know where it's at, will be thrown in to the lake of fire. You know why? God says, enough with all of this. And throws it into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Once and for all. Amen? Keep going. And anyone not found written in the book of life was casted into the lake of fire. Persuade men. People are going to be thrown where Satan will be, where the Antichrist will be, where the false prophet and everyone else who never receives Jesus. They will be thrown into the lake of fire. Keep going. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with seven last plagues came to me and talked to me saying, Come. I'm going to show you the bride, and now I'm really ending, the lamb's wife. Let's go really quick to the timeline, and then we're going to end with this verse, and we're done for the day. Watch this. Rapture happened. Great tribulation happened. Armageddon took place. Destroyed them. Sent certain people into the lake of fire, sent Satan to the bottomless pit. Thousand years, pure peace. We're reigning on earth. Then Gog and Magog happens right here. Everyone gets thrown into the great white throne judgment. The righteous go to the eternal kingdom. The wicked go to the lake of fire. And as all this is being explained to poor John, imagine John seeing this. Now let's go to the verse. Now we're at the end. We're at the end, which actually ends right up here. Eternal kingdom. Ready? Watch what happens at the end. We're going to go back to that verse. Revelation 20, there it is. Then the angel said, come. Oh, keep going. No, no, go, 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 go. You went back. All right, I'll read it. Revelation chapter 20, uh, chapter 21. And we're going to start in verse, uh, verse 9. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me, talked with me, and he said, Come, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. You can see how God is proud of her, right? And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. When we were in Jerusalem, I told our group this. Don't you feel like you could reach the, the skies? You could touch the stars? When we were in the old Jerusalem, in the current Jerusalem, I said, don't you feel like when you're up here on Jerusalem, that every nation is under you? Jerusalem has that feel. That you literally feel you're the nation above every nation right now. It's weird. Jerusalem is built. It's like, so what do you think this angel is taking John to? He's not taking him to the Jerusalem that we visited. But he's taking him up, kind of like the old Jerusalem is up. Light coming up from a hill to the valleys. 
But where is he taking them up to now? It's no longer the old Jerusalem. Where is he going to go? You see, the millennial reigned left. Everyone's in a lake of fire and everyone's done with. That's it. God's like, I'm done. There's only one last thing to come, and that is called the eternal kingdom. It's going to literally just come and smash the earth and fall on top of the earth. One day I'll show you a picture of how the, the new Jerusalem will look like. I showed it to some of the people in, when we went to the trip to Israel. And as the, I mean, I'm talking about the, the size of it. And he takes them up to the highest part of the new kingdom. Guess what the highest part of the new kingdom is called? The earthly kingdom is called. The heavenly kingdom is called. The new Jerusalem. And why do you think he's taking them up to the new Jerusalem? Because there's a special people that reside there. She's good looking too. I got to show you this babe is what the angel's saying. I'm going to show you a babe that's going to rock your socks. And he takes them up to a high mountain, to the new Jerusalem. And he's going to show off who? God's babe, the bride of Christ. Men, stop acting like you're all holy. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's what's happening there. And he said this. And he carried me away, the spirit, to a great high mountain, showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone. Guys, if you're the bride, just, just soak this in as we end today. Soak this in. Jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels and the gates and names were written on them. The names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out, and I'm not going to go into all the, the measurements. Um, verse 22, then I saw no temple in it. No, 18. The construction of its wall was jasper. The city was of pure gold, like clear, clear glass. 19. The foundation of the wall was the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Mind you, this is a man trying to explain something that is heavenly. He can't. It's hard. Adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, I don't even know that pearl. Yeah, that one. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. I don't know. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysophase. The eleventh, I should, study, I should have studied these, huh? The twelve gates were the twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Are you guys see? I don't even know how this is going to look. It's going to be amazing. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But then I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb or its temple, the city had no need for the sun or of the moon to shine, for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is its light. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at day by day at all, and there shall be, there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, but they shall by no means enter it. Anything that defiles or causes anything, abomination or lie but only those who are written in the lamb's book of life and then he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of god and the lamb in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits 
Each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree, this is a lot of representation, were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his, fa and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be night, no night there, and there, no need, no, there needs no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And then the, what we opened up with. And he said to me, the words are faithful and true. And the Lord God, a holy prophet, sent his angel to show his servants the things which must surely take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Persuade people. Persuade people. That's probably been the hardest introduction I've ever done in my six and a half years of pastoring. It's really hard to do this. But I hope to grow and learn with you. Amen? Now, I don't have any more verses, do I, Lou, that I gave you? I, I missed a whole bunch? <laughs> but guys... People talk about so many things nowadays. So much distraction, so much foolishness. As we close off and we get ready to pray, I don't want you to miss out on this. I want you one day to stand before God and say, I was ready, I was prepared. I was prepared. I'm going to end with this story and we'll pray. Jesus tells them to behold them coming quickly. And the Bible says that he comes for a chaste virgin, for one whose garments are white and pure. Why would Jesus say this? Why would he talk about people? And why would Revelation, what's going on? Well, you've got to understand the times of Jesus and the Jewish people. In those days, when a man proposed to a woman, I want you to catch this. He would go up to his woman, my cousin. I'm going to ask my cousin to stand because I'm not going to get in trouble because she's my cousin. And the husband the groom would go to his future wife and say, baby, I propose to you. Would you be my wife? I'm summarizing, paraphrasing, so you guys get the point. And she said, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And she's blushing and she's excited. During Jesus' day, my job now was to do this. Okay. I'll be right back. I'm coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And then I would leave her. I would go to her house. Jesus left all his glory, came to our house, and said, behold, I'm coming quickly. He comes, he spends time with us, flirts with us. We fall in love with him. And they like, take us with you. And then we get left behind. We're like, God, come. Because why? You fooled around with my heart, right? Hey, don't fool with me. Take me now. I was like, no, 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 no. I got to go. Doesn't it look like Jesus? You see how what happened during his time happened in real life with him? And he spent some time with her. He spent some time with his people. And then he leaves. He goes, I'm going to go with my father. And he goes back home. And now her job as he leaves, she knows I'm coming back for her. But her job now is to be ready and to prepare herself for her husband-to-be who's coming back. Okay? And she's going to dress up every day beautiful. Every day put oils on her body. Every day put on its equivalent to your makeup and do your hair and nails, pedicure, manicure. 
and prepare herself. Because when the husband-to-be says, I'm coming back, guess what he never tells her? During Jesus' time, he never would tell her when he's coming back. But just know that I am coming back. When he leaves her, he's preparing the wedding feast. And he's getting it all ready. What did Jesus say? I'm going to prepare many what? And he's preparing the wedding feast. And when it's done, he's like, we're done. And he comes back for her. Now this is where scripture says two will be in the field. One will go. And the other one will stay. Because some will not be dressed, will not have the right oils, and will not be ready. Some will say he's taking too many days, too long already. And I'm tired of waiting for him. I'm just going to go on and live my life. Can we, be, can we talk transparent? It's time to get over the stupid things that we carry. Because there's something greater here. We carry such stupid things. Stupidity, starting with me, man. When he comes back for her, if she's not ready, that's an insult. And he leaves her. And she doesn't belong to him. He expects her to be ready. But when he comes back and he sees that she's dressed in her garments and she's beautified and she's prepared herself for his return, he now says, come with me. And he takes her with her. As he's taking her with her, there's a bunch of people and they're singing and they're dancing because they're all walking back to the feast together. It's kind of funny. That Christ comes, dead or rise first. There's a whole group in the clouds and we're all going to be taken somewhere and everyone's, wow. And it's kind of symbolic to this right here. He says, come on, and everyone's dancing and they're just smiling at everyone as they're walking miles back home. And then they get to this place. And in this place right here, depending on how rich this groom was, we would celebrate. Maybe for three days, maybe for seven days. If we were very rich, I would throw a seven-day party. And people would be eating and drinking and having a good time and celebrating us. My bride is here. The groom has come back for her. And everyone is celebrating that. And then you go home to be with your groom forever. When Jesus was saying that, okay, that's exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about the groom and the bride of his day. You don't know when, you're, when he's going to come back for you, but know that he's coming. And all you need to do, your main goal in life right now, is to be prepared for the coming of your girl. I'm coming back. Be ready. Because I'm not taking anything filthy to my father's house. If I'm taking anything to daddy, I want my dad to say, my son picked a good girl. He knows how to pick his lady. So I'm going to ask you guys a question as we pray, as we get into this series called The End. Are you getting yourselves ready? The Lord is coming. The rapture is before us. The tribulation is moments away. Are you ready to meet Jesus and to be taken with him? That's a question I want you to ask yourself. And if you're not, start preparing yourself while you have time. Get away from the stupid things. Get away from the sin. Get away from things that distract you. Get away from a mindset that is not God's mindset. Please, God, prepare to meet your groom. There's something greater coming. Will you be ready? Amen? Let's pray.